Okay, thankfully I had a few things to take care of. I was wrecked again after that. Man, what a privilege it is to be shaping that next generation. And for those of you dads, moms who are in the throw of that right now, the labor is, is well worth it. It sometimes seems like it's never ending and it's ongoing, but it is, um, it's a labor of love that you will never regret pouring into. Um, somebody recently said something to me about, you know, hey, when are you going to write a book and put some things together? And I said, I already have. I've got five of them. And um, it starts with Hannah and the book of Hannah and then the book of Rachel. And I'm still working on the book of TJ. I think he's turning out okay back there. But uh, I'm not sure about Benjamin's book. I'm, I've, been shaping, I've been shaping that book for a while. But these are my books, and that's what kids are. They're your, they, you pour your life into them and you hope and pray for the best for them. So thank you dads who have served and uh, your families and continue to serve and give it up to the glory of God. Okay, if you're visiting with us this morning, and I see it a few new faces, you're, you're dropping in um, in a little section here in Daniel 9, 20 through 27. I'm on about page 50 of my manuscript since those, in those four verses. And, uh, but we are going to finish uh, verse 27 today. It's going to be a little bit different, so it's going to be a little bit of a unique way of approaching the teaching through this passage. But I'm hopeful that some of the feedback I got from last week, I'm hopeful that some of that can be cleared up and we can make good progress in wrapping up Daniel chapter 9 here today. And last week, perhaps you recall, we finished... Uh, with Jesus teaching his disciples and the rest of us about how we could discern the signs of his coming and the signs of the end of the age. We were in Matthew uh, chapter 24. Now you may recall in verses 1 and 2, this was where we get that question from his disciples when Jesus came out from the temple. So back in chapter 23, we looked at this last week. Jesus was kind of having it his, his final conversation with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he leaves them with a series of woes and how I long to have gathered you like a chick gathers her hens, but you would not. That's chapter 23, and then he pronounces woes on them, and then he gets to chapter, and at the end of chapter 23, perhaps you remember, he says to them, your house will be left to you desolate. And so when you roll into Matthew chapter 24, Jesus comes out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple. Well, you just said that our house would be left to us desolate. Now, he's pointing out the temple buildings, the temple and the buildings around the temple to him. And then Jesus says, and he said to them, do you not see all these things? And that's a simple question. We know that they saw these things because they were pointing them out to him. So, yes, they see them. And he says, truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. So in this, we see Jesus confirming what we saw in Daniel 9, 26, the destruction of the city and of the sanctuary, both of which we know happened historically in 70 AD at the hands of the Roman army, which lets us know that Jesus understood that there was going to be a gap of time between the fulfillment of the 69 of Daniel's 70th week. So from the 69th week when it was completed to the beginning of the 70th week and its beginning, Jesus 
in this little statement here is affirming that there is going to be a gap of time. There has to be, because if sequentially the 70th week followed right on the hills of the 69th week, um, 70 AD uh, in the destruction of the sanctuary and the temple uh, was about 30 would be about 30 years removed from that time and at the end of Daniel's 70th week we're at the end of this age as we know it and we're entering into the age to come which involves the second advent of Jesus Christ so Jesus here clearly is affirming a gap and so I'm hoping that what we see as we look again briefly this week and from last week was the obvious connection between Daniel 9 and Jesus' teaching in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is like Jesus' commentary on Daniel 9, 24 through 27. It's, it's basically Jesus' understanding of what Daniel had spoken of and he's given some color commentary to what's, what's going to happen in that period right there. And if you remember, we left off last week's sermon, again, with Jesus making a direct reference to Daniel the prophet, which I said took us back to Daniel 9, 27, and that that's where we were going to make our connecting point. So the verse that we ended on last week in Matthew 24, 15 was when Dan he points out Daniel, and our verse this morning, 27, from Daniel 9, 27. So therefore, when you see the abomination... Of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand. So Jesus makes an undeniable link between the signs of his coming and the end of the age with Daniel the prophet, and specifically the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. So Perhaps we might be asking, well, what is the abomination of desolation? Well, for starters, one thing we can know for certain is that whatever it is, it's done by an individual who's standing in a particular place, the holy place, which is what has led many and most to, I believe, rightly conclude that there is going to be at that time some kind of a rebuilt temple or perhaps even a tabernacle, a place of worship for Yahweh amongst the Jewish people a holy place and there will be one that is standing in that holy place who makes an abomination of desolation so what I've done this morning is I've put together some visual aids y'all have been missing some of my really nice charts I'm sure and so I've put together a few visual aids that I hope will help us not just hear what's being said, but see what's being said as we're trying to piece these wonderful truths together. So let's start with the first, and I'm going to kind of go slowly so that we can really grasp this. Um, I had a few comments last week. Man, there are so many details. It's hard to get all this stuff together, and I agree. It, it really is. So hopefully today with these really simple charts, We can pull it together. Okay. So you see on the very upper left-hand corner, Daniel 9.25. See that? And it says, is it too small right here? 
Daniel 9.25. I'm sorry if it's too small. I'm trying to fit it all in. So right here we got Daniel 9.25. And it says, So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. And so what we saw it from last week was from Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8. Artaxerxes gave a word, whether it's giving of a word, the, the word to rebuild Jerusalem, as the ESV says, or a decree to, to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, as the New American says, Artaxerxes. And it says there in Nehemiah 2, it says it's in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes. So we have some time elements and some time dating stamps there to let us know when we can start knowing and discerning from the issuing of this decree. And notice what it says. It says to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. And it says very specifically there will be seven weeks. And so here we have the seven weeks and 62 weeks. And so there's the 62 weeks. So you've got the seven weeks for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which we have through Nehemiah, 49, the seven weeks being 49 years. So there's the seven weeks, and it says, and 62 weeks. So the rebuilding of Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. So here's the rebuilding of Jerusalem in the first seven weeks. And then there's another set of weeks, 62, which is a total of 434 years until Messiah the Prince. And we saw there in Matthew 21, 1 through 11, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on the foal of a colt on Palm Sunday, presented as Messiah King of the nation Israel on Palm Sunday. And perhaps you remember that these seven weeks and these 62 weeks equals a total of 69 weeks. And two weeks prior in the sermon was when we calculated and we said, okay, if this is a hypothesis, let's, let's give this a run up the flagpole and let's do the math and see if anything works. And so we did the math from March of 444 BC from that decree or the word given by Artaxerxes. And from that time until March, and we kind of needed to insert the 27th because in Nehemiah it just says Nisan, which will be March. But you do 188,330 days and you go exactly to March 27th of 33 AD when Jesus, according to Matthew 21, rode into Jerusalem and was presented as king. What are the odds of that being that precise? I mean, how, how could it t truly be a total of 69 weeks of years, 483 years to the day that Jesus rides in on the foal of a colt into Jerusalem. Just happenstance? Just got lucky? A good guess? I don't think so. I think this is what's called predictive prophecy, and we see that God knows exactly what he's doing. Okay, so here we are right here. We are now at the end of these, these 62 weeks. So we jump over here now to this really small verse that you can't see, but this is why you have your Bible I got you. Where it says, then after the 62 weeks, so after the 62 weeks here, which obviously would include the seven because it preceded it, but verse 26 indicates the 62. We know that's a total of 69. But after, I highlighted that word so many times when we first went through this, after the 62 weeks. So 
the 62 weeks, this, this portion of it, the total 69 weeks, have been completed. It's done. The days have been calculated. It's, it's done. After this, it says the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. Well, when you go from March 27, 33 A.D. on that Sunday to Good Friday that I've turned sideways here, that makes that Good Friday, April 3rd, 33 A.D., when we have a crucifixion on the cross. And just like Daniel 9.26 said, after the 62 weeks comes the cross. Messiah is cut off. And he got cut off at the end of that Passion Week. And have nothing. And we articulated how the having the nothing was the ha- not, not, having, not having established an earthly kingdom, as would have clearly been Daniel's full expectation when you just make observation of what he had been through from Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2, what Nebuchadnezzar said in chapter 4, from the vision that he got in chapter 7. You start piecing all that together, the clear um, understanding from Daniel, even when you get to chapter 9, is he's praying. He's praying for the restoration of the city and the sanctuary, God's holy mountain. Daniel's expectation was that Messiah would have something, and it would be that kingdom that we saw very clearly in chapter 7 that's an earthly kingdom that would be given to the saints of God, and the one like the Son of Man would be ruling there forever and ever and ever. But he was instead cut off and had nothing. And you may recall this is exactly why the Jewish people had such a problem with Jesus. They believed their Messiah was to come and establish a kingdom and overthrow Rome himself, and they were going to be a mighty kingdom on earth already. Had they understood Daniel, they would have understood that's not the case, that Messiah in his first advent had to come and establish a gospel kingdom, a a message of the coming of the kingdom of Jesus, a gospel that needed to be proclaimed to all the earth. So even in Acts chapter 1, when the disciples were saying to Jesus, after his ascension, about right before his ascension, they said, well, is now the time? Is now the time you're going to be establishing your kingdom? And he said, again, not yet. That's left up to the Father. But what did he say? He said, just be my witnesses. And he ultimately said, starting where you are, all the way to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's exactly what we're going to see here in just a minute when we get back into Matthew 24. Jesus said, before the end will come, the preaching of the kingdom of Jesus' kingdom, needs to go all the way to the uttermost parts of the world, and then the end will come. Kind of like Daniel 9, 26 and 27 shows us. This is why I believe Matthew 24 from Jesus is his color commentary on Daniel. Okay, so where are we at? Well, we're, we're here after the 62 weeks. Messiah gets cut off, just like it says. He doesn't have his kingdom. He has nothing. And then we drop down to here. So this is Daniel 9.26a. This is Daniel 9.26a. And then I put Daniel 9.26b. So we just continue. Cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come. The people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And so right here, kind of turned sideways again, we have the fulfillment of that. We know in 70 A.D., there was a destruction of Jerusalem and the temple at the hands of Titus, um, a ruler or a prince who was to come, and his people. The people of that ruler 
will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Now this is the end of verse 26b here is really unique and we need to think very just simply on this. And its end will come. What is its right here? Its end will come. Well, it's right here clearly is a, is a reference to the destruction of the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood, like a flood will come quickly and devastatingly and complete. Now notice what it says next. And notice the distinction. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations are determined. So we have two ends here. We have its end will come with a flood, the destruction of the city and the sanctuary. Even to the end, and now we're talking, he's making reference to a different end. The end of the sanctuary will come with a flood. It will come quickly, and as we know from 70 A.D., it came. But then even to the end, and I think this is where... Daniel 9.26b is now making a point to, to the end, and it's making a reference to the end of this current age in anticipation of the age to come. So I believe that even to the end there will be war and desolations are determined. This end is a reference to the end right here of Daniel's 70th week. So even from the destruction of the temple 70 AD all the way until the end this end there will be war rumors of war famines and earthquakes Jesus kind of elaborates on this and gives some color commentary to it a little progressive revelation but these things have been determined and then we get to Daniel 9:27, which is dealing with this last week right here one week and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. So we get the last week, one week. So we've had seven weeks, 62 weeks, that's a total of 69, and then we get one. Now we're into Daniel's 70th week. And all these things right here in, in chapter 9, verse 26, are spoken of prior to the insertion of the beginning of this one week. Now, I'm getting marks all over the place, and it's getting a little bit messy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm I'm to move the screen forward, and what you're going to observe is this. Um, all of this right here is going to go away. This is gone. This is going to go away. And this piece right over here is going to be expanded. So all I'm going to do is expand this portion right here, this piece right right here, I'm just, this piece, I'm going to just expand this over, give myself a little bit more room. Are you following me? It's that simple. Ready? Here we go. Right there. So you can see I've got the, the tail end of, of that, six, that's the end of the 69th week right here, which will be the marking point for Palm Sunday, right? So right, right here, boom, I'm cutting it off right here so you can still kind of see it. There it is. But everything else... I got Daniel 9.26, and I've just brought it up into one piece right here. I've got all of this, the church, the church age, the get, all this the same. Daniel 9.27, so it's all the same. Got crucifixion, got destruction. All I did was give us a little bit more room to breathe, a little bit more room to make observation of what's happening here. And um, 
which I, and what I didn't make mention of on that last screen was this, uh, briefly I made mention of it, that Jesus affirmed this gap right here. This gap is what we refer to and we call the church age. And last week we looked at Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 13, and the apostle Paul himself said of this church age, this, this gap between the 69th and 70th week, Paul said that this age was a mystery. It was unknown to the people in times that preceded him. God left that as a mystery. They were not, they were not giving a privy to understand that there was going to be a gap of in, in, this, this, uh, this, in this 70 weeks, that this time frame. They would have assumed that it would just go one right after the next, right after the next, 490 years. The Apostle Paul affirms, no, like Jesus indicated, there's going to be a show there'd be a gap. The Apostle Paul clearly articulates that as well. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is in this piece right here, we're going to drop in a little bit of Jesus from Matthew 24, okay? And then make some connections and observations. So we've already been over all this on the previous screen. I just made more room is all I did. So now here we go, the next screen. Right there, I dropped it in. It's, a, it's very obvious. Now, a few things I did, we still see the, the end of the 69 weeks right there, that little blue piece right here. We still have that. Still got the cross, crucifixion, 33 AD. I, got, I even squeezed in Daniel 9:26a that after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. After that is exactly what happened. After that, he's cut off. I've got the destruction of the temple still kind of plotted in here about 70 AD which is what we had just previously had seen and Jesus talks about here. So I've got, I crunched Daniel 9:26b up into a little box right here, but all I added really is this part here in Matthew 24, which we started off reading. When Jesus came out from the temples, going away from it with his disciples, and they pointed out the temple buildings, and he says, um, truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. So Matthew 24, 1 through 2, and Jesus' prediction here is an affirmation of Daniel 9, 26b, which I've already pointed out, but repetition is a key to learning. The people of the prince, notice right here, the people at the top, 926b, the people of the prince to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Jesus says not one stone here will be left upon another. It will be torn down. Again, both of these are affirming and took place in real time in history at 70 A.D. at the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Okay, now I'm going to slide this again, and we're going to get rid of Daniel 9:26b, and we're going to get rid of Matthew 24:1 through 2, and we're going to bring in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 3. So all I'm doing is picking up right after Matthew 24 verses 1 and 2. I'm just going to pick up with verse 3. You ready? Oh, you still are you tracking with me? And I'm hoping that the visual and the because last week it was all verbal and I got a lot of different concepts and what was that and this and how did all this I it, I got a lot of different and I always say the same thing just go back to YouTube and watch it and you can pause it which you can but we're we're going to tidy this up a little bit hopefully this is helping so here we go we're going to move on to verse three now so you can see I left. These, these yellow pieces, all I've added in here is a continuation from Matthew 24, 3, 14, uh, verse 3 through 14, which is this middle gap, the middle piece. And then I added 24, 15 right up here because 24, 15 and Daniel 9, 27, now we're, 
we're, we're narrowing in on where we're headed this morning. You're thinking, you, we're just heading there? I thought we were almost done. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get there, you'll see. So what have we got here? We've got the same end of the 69 weeks. we got Palm Sunday. After those 62 weeks, cut off and have nothing, which is April 3rd, 33 A.D. at the cross. 70 A.D., the temple is destroyed. We're picking back up with Jesus as color commentary on Daniel. Notice what happens here in chapter 24, 3 through 14. The question that they had in verse 3 was, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? We saw that in verse 3. And in verses 4 and 5... Jesus confirmed that there would be false Messiah figures that will mislead many during this time. What will be, in answering the question, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus is saying is the signs and the end will be observable this way. Verse 4 and 5, there will be false Messiah figures that will mislead many. The Antichrist is going to be a hugely false savior type person that many are going to ultimately fall and be and succumb to that's going to be the leader that's going to ultimately say if you don't take my mark you're not going to be able to do business and and have life as you know it okay so there's going to be many messiah figures misleading verses six through eight jesus said there will be many wars famines earthquakes but that is not yet the end. This end that he's talking about right here, again, points us right here to the end of the 70 weeks, the end of the current age. And then I separated these two because, and I highlighted the word then right here, because when you get to verse 9, Jesus starts giving some color commentary on things that will be happening within this last week. He starts making reference to some things that will start happening in the last week that we have here in Daniel 9:27 he said in verse 9 then they will deliver you and i put this in parentheses here i put believers in Jesus the church because who was Jesus talking to he was talking to his disciples had his disciples come to faith well they had because he even said to peter who who do they say the son of man is well it's maybe Elijah, Elisha, one of the prophets, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but my father from heaven did. The disciples, God had opened the spiritual eyes of their hearts to see and to understand who Jesus truly was. Jesus was talking to them. Then they will deliver you. So he's talking to believers. He was talking to people in the church. Yes, they were Jews. Yes, they were of the nation of Israel. But a distinction needs to be made between the church and unsaved Israel. These disciples were in the church. The church, remember the church was what Jesus, he removed the wall, the barrier, the wall, the dividing wall between Gentiles and Jews. And together, they're one new man in Christ, in the church. He's talking to disciples who are in the church. He's talking to believers. So, they will deliver you, believers in Jesus Christ, people in the church, to tribulation. Will kill you. 
you will be hated by all nations because of Jesus. So the reason there's going to be such animosity against these people is clear. It's because the world hates Jesus and his gospel. Verse 10 and 11, Jesus continues. He says, after that, there's going to be a great apostasy. There's going to be a, a, a great apostasy, which means there's going to be a lot of, I'm just going to call it so-called Christians. They probably, they obviously name themselves as Christians. So to apostatize yourself means that you turn away from the faith. You walk away from what you said you once held to. So, oh yes, I believe in Jesus. Well, then all of a sudden they start delivering you over to death and killing you. And then all of a sudden, well, I'm not so certain about that Jesus guy. I, 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 I mean, I'm more agnostic if I'm truly honest about it. I just, I, and I'm out of here. And I'm going to take the mark because I need food for myself, my kids, my wife, my family. I need to be able to keep my job. I want to keep my transportation. I want to be able to keep my housing. There's going to be a great apostasy, and it's going to lead to a lot of hatred in that time. Jesus says that in verses 10 through 12. But, verse 13, Jesus says, but if you persevere, it's a call for those who are of the true church, persevere. Persevere all the way to the end. You'll be saved. You'll be saved. Don't fear the ones that can put your body to death, but him who can kill the body and send the soul to hell. Persevere. So if the time comes, and if you're still alive on earth, and you start seeing some of the things that we're going to talk about in Daniel 9, 27, and all of a sudden people start needing to take a mark of some world leader, it's called the mark of the beast, but his mark, his number, whatever that's going to ultimately end up looking like, if you're called to do that, don't do it. And if they start handing and delivering people, Christians, over to death and to be killed, play the man all the way to the end. Death over dishonor, right? I mean, after all, how long does death really last? Once you go unconscious and you're out, you go from life to life. And God's made these bodies to where you're only, you're only going to endure so much pain. Now, if you have a really high pain tolerance, that's one time it might stink really bad. But eventually, your body just shuts off. You just go out. Don't recant. There will be many. There's going to be a great apostasy. There's going to be many people fleeing Christ. Don't let that be you. Persevere to the end. You'll be saved. And then right here, verse 14, Jesus continues, and he says, The gospel of Jesus' kingdom will be preached to all the nations. Then the end will come. And again, that's a reference to this end right here, the end of the age, this present age. The end of this present age, at the end of 70 weeks, will come after the gospel of Jesus' kingdom is preached to all the nations. And that's why I made mention to you there in Acts chapter 1. That's exactly what he told his disciples. They're saying, is now the time you're going to be establishing this kingdom? He's like, no, not yet. Stop getting focused on my earthly kingdom. God the Father's got that. You be witnesses, and you take this gospel all the way to the ends of the earth. And that's what making disciples to the ends of the earth looks like. And so the gospel has to be preached, the gospel of Jesus' kingdom to the nations then this end will come. Amen? Are you, walk, are you with me? This is what we've been seeing in Daniel. Now, 
That's verse 14. Now I've got verse 15 up here, right up here. Keep going. And this is where Jesus takes us back to Daniel, the prophet, where we've been for the last couple of weeks, with weeks, months. Have we broached a year yet, James? We're getting close, really close. Look at verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Let the reader understand what? Well, you started off by asking, what's the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus is saying there's something very unique about this Daniel the prophet and what he had to say regarding an abomination of desolations and, it's, and he, this individual, standing in a holy place. So let's now drop down back into our Daniel passage right here, Daniel 9.27. Jesus goes there. So in Daniel 9.27, which is all we have left to finish up our Daniel 9 passage this morning, notice what it says. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. And there we have the 70th week of Daniel. This one week. The last seven years of the present age. Before we get to the end, the end, and then the age to come. So, a, a good question would be, who is the he? Who is this he who's going to make a firm covenant contract with the many? Who are the many for this one week? I've read a lot on this. Some say, most, almost all say that the he here makes a direct reference to the Antichrist figure that most clearly is delineated on back in Daniel chapter 7. Remember the little horn? Remember that's when we had the last time we got into some charts with the little horn? So I can't, I can't really go way back. We're going to touch a few passages in Daniel 7 making this connection, but you're going to have to go back and really reread Daniel 7 and make connection with that. But that's who this he is. And I make those connections a little bit more solid when we kind of went through those passages, which I don't have time to do all this morning. So you're just going to have to take my word until you go ferret it out and discover that that's what it's talking about here. Got to be like the Bereans. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week. And so again, if there, here's this, this last world leader who through war and intrigue has decimated different nations and they finally succumbed to him and got a part of his one world government concept and he he marched the world into a one world governing concept and he's the leader of that of, he's the ruler of that that's who this he is again Daniel 7 lays this out very clearly and so the many here most say that's a direct reference to the nation of Israel that he made a, a covenant with the nation of Israel for the week and they say this because he puts a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. These are things that happened in the practice of temple worship, sacrifices and grain offerings. Some say that perhaps the, the many is a reference to the world. Like um, he made a, a, a firm covenant with the many, uh, the world, like for, for this duration of time for this one week these these seven years there's going to be kind of like um, 
the old, what we call the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Perhaps there's going to be the peace of the world, world peace. And he's going to be the guy that's going to usher it in. He's going to start allowing all the different nations to kind of practice their different things and some of their traditional things that they practice. And perhaps that's how the nation of Israel gets back to sacrifice and grain offering. Or perhaps it's just he's making a direct firm covenant with the nation of Israel exclusively for one week. Having read as much as I've read and trying to come to a firm conclusion on that, I've left myself with my feet still a little bit in midair. I'm not certain exactly what that part's going to look like exactly. But what we do know is there's going to be this one world leader who's trying to make for peace in the world. Except we're going to see with, with Christians. They're going to be delivered over and then they're going to be greatly hated and that great apostasy is going to take place. But that's not going to take place until about the midpoint of this firm covenant that gets established in the seven years. Notice. See right here, see this word but? He's going to make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings. So if this is the week, and it's seven years, and it says in the middle of this week, it's seven years, that would be three and a half years, right? Three and a half years on this side going to this point. So he's going to make a firm covenant for one week, and then three and a half years into this covenant, he's going to put a stop to it. And here's what Jesus makes mention of. And on the wing of abominations will come one, that's the Antichrist, who makes desolate even until a complete destruction. So this is halfway through the middle of the week. Antichrist is going to put a stop. And this is where, right this midweek right here, I'm going to draw a line right here from verse 9. Circling it right here. And I'm bringing it right over into here. This is when they're going to start hand, delivering and handing you over to tribulation and killing you. This is when the great tribulation of the Antichrist really, really ramps up and becomes at its highest peak heretofore and this is when the antichrist I think uses this three and a half years as a ploy as a way to start trying to really ferret out who the people of God are who the saints of God are who are those who are trying to name the name of Jesus I think this is the part where he this three and a half years of this fake covenant that he makes with the many for that one week I think is for the exclusive purpose of ferreting out God's true children in order to destroy them, which is what Satan has been trying to do with Jesus from the beginning. A complete destruction on the wing of abominations. Daniel's, Jesus said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken through Daniel standing in the holy place, and that's what we see happen at the, at the midpoint, three and a half years in. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So let me clarify the end of verse 27 for us real quick. Let's just take a step back real fast into verse 27. 
stop the sacrifice and grain offering and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate that's what antichrist is going to do halfway into that last three and a half years and bringing about the great tribulation of the antichrist even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the who poured out on the one who makes desolate who was the one who made desolate that was the one world ruling leader that's the antichrist that too his utter destruction too has been decreed and that's going to happen right here i'm going to add one more arrow here to the this this right here this 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 right here this end of daniel's 70th week which i'm not going to show you today but i'm going to show you is where we refer to the second advent of jesus christ in Revelation 19, when the king comes riding in on a white stallion with a sword strapped to his side, and he has a battle. And months ago, you may remember when we were in Daniel 7, we went and looked at this. He has a battle with the Antichrist and his army, and it's a bloodbath. And Christ King, Jesus the king, wins, of course. Amen? That's right here. This is where it's headed. And even that one's desolation is decreed. It's coming on the one who made desolate. Okay, so this page is a mess. That page is, can you, my goodness, that is a mess. But hopefully hearing and seeing has helped bring some of these concepts together from Daniel and Jesus' commentary on Daniel as well. So what I want to show you is just a few passages, and I've got just about three minutes. I'm going to show you a few passages from Daniel 7 because we've made mention of that on many occasions of the he who's standing that makes desolation, the abomination. Daniel 7, I told you I don't have time to go through all of it, the, the little horn. In chapter 7, verse 21 through 22, and I can't help you with a whole lot of context here. You're going to have to go back and listen to these. I kept looking and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Three and a half years in, it's going to break the covenant. There's going to be a tribulation that the world has never seen before, the Antichrist persecution and tribulation, and they're going to hand God's people, the saints, over for death. It's waging war with the saints and overpowering them, and here's this beautiful word, until... Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints, of the highest one, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. That time is right here. Jesus comes back in a second advent. His disciples asked all the way in Acts 1, is now the time? He says, no, not yet. This is the time right here when he's going to come back, second advent, and establish that kingdom. The time will arrive the saints will take possession with King Jesus over his kingdom. And then one more from Daniel 7, 25 through 27. Another repetition of this Antichrist. He will speak out against the Most High. He, the same he who stands in the most holy place, the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist. He will speak out against the Most High and wear down, here it is again, and wear down 
the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in times and law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. And from chapter 7, we got time, that's one, times, plural, that's two, so you got one plus two, and then you got half a time, so you got that equals three, and then you got a half a time, that's three and a half. Where did we see three and a half? Well, after three and a half years, he breaks the covenant, and then the last three and a half years, all hell breaks loose, and he starts delivering people over to persecution and killing them. And right here, the saints will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years. But the court will sit for judgment, and his, that one world leader, his dominion will be taken away, see the end of Daniel 9.27, annihilated, see the end of Daniel 9.27, and destroyed forever, see the end of Daniel 9.27. It was decreed. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness, then the sovereignty after this, then the sovereignty and dominion and greatness of all the kingdoms of the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints, of the highest one, his kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Is it starting to fall together a little bit? So let me show you real quick here. The end, so we finished right here with Jesus, right here. Isn't that nice and clean? In verse 15, right? We've already been through this whole thing, the middle of the week, everything. I'm going to pick back up now with you in verse 16. Next slide. So here we had 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination in the holy place, Daniel the prophet, let's read and understand, verse 16. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. When? When you see this. When you see the he standing in the most holy place making an abomination of desolation. Flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babes in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now nor ever will. And notice verse 22. All of that to really get you to verse 22. That's good commentary, but notice here. Unless those days had been cut short, cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Well, which days are we talking about that are going to be cut short? Do I have it here? No. The days are going to get cut short. Remember at three and a half years? The great tribulation, been the saints have been handed into his hand for three and a half years. Remember that passage we just looked at? These are the days that are going to get cut short under the predetermined and sovereign hand of God. Somewhere along these last three and a half years, we don't know exactly when it's going to be, there's going to be a cutting. He's going to cut those days short. And you know what's going to happen? The clouds are going to part. And there's going to be a great rapture of the church. 
and they're going to be raptured off the earth and I don't know when or where somewhere along this time but those days will be cut short I'm getting ahead of myself we're going to get to the rapture next week are you interested in the rapture and its timing and how it fits into all this I am and I think you will be as well And so next week we're going to look at that in greater specificity and we're going to look at two of the primary premillennial options with regard to the timing and the placement of the rapture. We'll do that next week because th- that last three and a half years gets cut short for the sake of the elect of God. Amen? Well, I'm going to just wrap it right here because I can. And the clock tells me I need to. And I hear babies bleeding over there. Not bleeding, but bleating. They want Mama Lamb to come and rescue them. But this is where we're going to head next week. I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read this, and we're going to pray. Are you ready? Because right here, we're continuing with, with Jesus and Matthew. Right here, we're still in chapter 24. We're just down to verse 29 now. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, it gets cut short. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect, for the sake of the elect, from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. These three verses right here encapsulate the rapture of the saints of God. The cutting short of the days of the great tribulation of the Antichrist persecution and then the coming of the wrath of the Lamb of God. Yeah! King Jesus, and he's going to win. We're going to look more particularly at picking up right here, moving into the timing of the rapture, because this is what we've seen right here so far. If you, I've seen a few pictures. If you want a picture, take this one. This one's a little bit cleaner, and it kind of gets us all the way to the end, and it strips off a lot of the stuff. You can go back and read the Matthew passages. You know where they fit, okay? So we're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk most, more specifically about two rapture concepts, one that I held to for about 35 years and one that I hold to today. We're going to talk about those. And why did I switch? How did I switch? What led to my switching? Do I still, do I still affirm the first one? If the first one's true, I'm saying praise God. Praise God. Thank you, King Jesus. I won't, you won't hear me arguing in the least. It's just not what I believe exegetically best is laid out in the scriptures. And I'll explain some of these things when we get there starting next week. Are you ready? Yes. It's a confirmation if I've ever heard one right there. <laughs> Amen. I don't know about you, but I, this, this kind of stuff, I don't dwell in it. If you've ever had long conversations, I don't dwell in this stuff. But when you get into it, man, it gets really exciting. The thought of these things coming to pass and our God wrapping all things up and us being with him forever and ever, that is really exciting. Let's pray.